many times I have found parents struggling knowing what to do, um, not wanting their child to be left out, but wanting to make safe parameters, and they get stuck in between those two. Parenting is a very challenging job. It's important for us to understand that there are ways that we can be more effective in dealing with our children. If there are academic challenges or social emotional challenges, uh, drugs can provide an avenue of escape. Anytime a kid has any questions on campus, I'm more than willing to talk to them about it. Uh, we can keep these conversations confidential or we can help them with kind of counseling. Hi, I'm Will Moffat and I'm chairman of the Community Prevention Council in La Cunada, Flint Ridge and today we want to give you some ideas of how to deal with drugs and alcohol when you've got kids in school. Every major city and small town seems to have a task force dedicated to getting drugs off the streets. And our teenagers are at risk. But before we go gung-ho in the war against drugs and substance abuse, we need the facts. Specifically, we need the facts about teens and drug use in our local community. During my time in La Cunada, I have made numerous arrests for possession and sales of methamphetamine, cocaine, marijuana, mushrooms, hash, and prescription drugs. And if you think it's an adult issue, unfortunately, I've also arrested kids for it. The battle to educate is nothing new, and most parents are taking up arms admirably. A large percentage of our youth know the dangers of experimenting with drugs like heroin and cocaine. In fact, they know the dangers well enough to say no, but some don't. One way to help your kid out of an unsafe or uncomfortable situation and protect them from feeling embarrassed or calling mom and dad is to have a special word or phrase set up. For example, your teen can use the phrase, how did grandma's surgery go? As a signal that they are in trouble or in a bad situation. At that point, you should tell your kid you'll pick them up or insist that they come home. Another option is the teenager can tell their friends that their parents randomly drug test them so they can't risk using drugs. Again, this shifts the pressure off the teen and gives them a way out of the situation. Today's drug use is taking on an entirely new face, the face of prescription drugs. And there are two jaw-dropping facts to realize about these drugs. Fact number one. More teens die from prescription drugs than heroin and cocaine combined because they think prescription drugs are safer to abuse than street drugs. Fact number two, the United States alone represents 5% of the world's population. It also represents 75% of the drugs taken globally. 60% of teens who abuse prescription drugs get them for free from friends and relatives or out of the medicine cabinet in their own homes. Our teens are under the impression that prescription drugs are safe to abuse due to their medical nature. It is imperative we educate them about the danger these drugs, as well as over-the-counter drugs, pose. And smoking is still a problem. Cigarette smoking has declined dramatically over the past decade, but it's still a problem for our youth. 
When faced with peer pressure and the choice of which drug to try, a cigarette often wins out. Fact number three, one in five teens has smoked within the past month. Fact four, smokeless tobacco started to become an accepted cigarette alternative in 2008. Since 2010, its popularity and use have steadily increased. Vaping is huge in our community, and it's dangerous. Teens use these devices to inhale nicotine and or marijuana. Please remember, unless a person is an active military member or over 21, it is illegal to possess any vapes, vape pens, vape juice containing nicotine, cigarettes, rolling papers, or hookahs. Fact number five, it is estimated that some six million children born between 1983 and 2000 will die as adults due to a smoking-related illness. More than 50% of these children will pick up a smoking habit during their teens. Help your teens say no to smoking by giving them a real-life example of what it is to kick the habit for good. Despite preventative measures, some teens opt to try hard drugs. Fact number six. By the time teenagers are high school seniors, approximately 50% will have abused an illicit drug at least once. Fact number seven. In 2013, more high school seniors used marijuana on a regular basis than cigarettes. Illicit drugs are usually encountered at parties, particularly college-level parties. The best defense is education. Fact number eight. Blues, aerosols, and household items are some of the most commonly abused and underdetected substances that teens try. Fact number nine. 54% of high school seniors don't view the regular use of steroids as harmful or addictive. Fact number 10, you can make a difference. Our youth are facing an ever-changing sea of peer pressure and choice. Perhaps the hardest hitting fact about teens and drug use is this. Your continued support and understanding can be the single thing that saves them from a life destroyed by substance addiction and abuse. There's no question that raising children is the most difficult job that any of us as parents ever experience. There's no instruction manuals and the rules are constantly changing. Our children face many challenges regarding the choices that they have to make. Choices around substance abuse, choices around time with friends, choices around meeting expectations within the family. First of all, we have to evaluate what type of parent we are. Am I the parent who spends a lot of times focusing on rules and expectations? Or am I the type of parent who takes more of a, my child will figure it out mentality? As a parent, it's important for us to find an effective balance between rules, boundaries, and structure, and also spending time with them to let them know how much we love, appreciate, and believe in them and their ability to be successful. The most important piece of any positively reinforcing structure in the home is consistency. Most of us as parents struggle to know how to effectively create consequences. If a child is supposed to be home at 8 o'clock at night and they arrive on time, there should be a positive acknowledgement that they are following the rules and meeting the expectations. 
if there is a child who comes home late and is not following the rules consistently, there needs to be a predictable, reinforceable consequence. Most of us as parents struggle with coming up with effective consequences that help our children learn when they make mistakes. Never choose a consequence that you cannot reinforce or that is going to ultimately end up being a punishment more for you than for the child. Please remember that time is our most valuable resource and we need to spend time with our children helping them feel loved, appreciated, and understood. In order for our children to feel positive and powerful when they are out making choices on their own, we must help them feel good about who they are, what they're doing, and the choices that they make. They're not always under our supervision, so we have to instill that sense of confidence within them. By taking time to talk with our children and also being very, very consistent with a predictable structure, we can help our children find ways to navigate the diff difficult challenges that they will experience as they continue to grow up. You know, the teenage years are complicated. They're about separating from parents, connecting with peers, figuring out who you are as an individual, exploring why things are the way they are, and novelty-seeking, risk-taking, and being adventurous. Um, the challenge with this period is the emotional system is fully developed, whereas the part that applies breaks and cause and effect thinking isn't developed as fully, and so some of that risk-taking behavior can lead to some undesirable outcomes. So these developmental drives are really um, doors into potential um, problem areas with drug experimentation. Uh, the connecting with peers, being part of a group, um, if there's social difficulties, engaging in substances and uh, participating with peers might be a reason to start with drugs. Uh, being curious and thrill-seeking might be another door into experimenting. Another one might be challenging the status quo. Well, you know, back in your day, you don't know anything about drugs. Um, we know better, that, that kind of response. And finally, if there are academic challenges or social emotional challenges, uh, drugs can provide an avenue of escape. So you don't have to think about or feel some things that are uncomfortable or not going well. If there's conflict at home, um, lots of punishment, harsh criticism. There might be a desire to medicate that or escape from that or not have to think about that or feel better in the moment. And drugs are a pretty quick avenue to um, dealing with those things in a immediately effective way, but long term it's not very effective. And sometimes it's to um, escape um, things that are really uncomfortable. So if I can, you know, smoke a joint and, you know, buzz out, then that feels better than having to feel sad or scared. So some of the things to notice would be frequent changes of friends. Um, do they have a different friend group? Is this a group of kids you don't know? Um, are the friends changing quickly? Um, if their excuses don't pass the smell test, um, it seems uncharacteristic of your child or the details aren't adding up, uh, that's a time to start paying attention to your intuition. Sleep disturbances is another area. Um, sleeping too much, staying up too late, 
difficulty falling asleep, uh, incredibly difficult time getting up in the morning, um, and also a shift in their concern about their appearance. If their um, motivation is low and they're feeling good because they're self-medicating, then how they look might really uh, be less uh, relevant to them. So having a strong relationship with your child means that you've been sharing joy and connection with them and you've been looking in their eyes all along. And it's important to continue doing that because the eyes will tell you a lot about if there are substances uh, they've been um, enjoying. <laughs> Marijuana um, includes things like bloodshot eyes, heavy-lidded um, appearance and constricted pupils. Um, if you start noticing uh, dilated eyes, uh, alcohol could be the culprit. If there are pinpoint pupils, um, barbiturates, heroin, uh, cause pupils to be pinpoint. And finally, if they're dilated, um, cocaine, amphetamines, and hallucinogenics, along with the alcohol, can cause the pupils to dilate. So that's important to notice. Um, other physical changes could be weight loss, weight gain, or poor oral hygiene, not interested in brushing teeth. Uh, uh, so dental visits uh, could be informative. Wearing long sleeves, even in warm weather, um, no one wants to think that their child might be shooting up or um, doing anything like that, but if they're wearing long sleeves and it's a hot day, uh, you might want to be curious about that. And finally, a runny nose, uh, if there aren't allergies or a cold, that's also something to notice. Behavioral issues, so behavior at home, things like avoiding eye contact, so you can't see what those pupils are doing, Locking doors and insisting on privacy. Uh, if there's nothing to hide, then the idea of secrecy and privacy aren't that important. So secrecy with the cell phone, keeping the doors locked, insisting on uh, privacy uh, can also be a, a, a signal that something is being uh, hidden and something that's being hidden could be quite concerning. Uh, dropping out of families and social activities, all of a sudden not wanting to go with you to dinner uh, or not wanting to go to parties or go, go out to outings, uh, that's also another sign. It might be more pleasurable for them to sit home and get loaded. Uh, so something else to pay attention to. Money and objects missing. No one wants to think that their child might be taking things from the home. Um, our first thought might be, I misplaced it. Again, start to notice if your intuition is going off on that point. Behavior outside of the home, uh, skipping classes. And there is um, a way to check through the portals as to your child's school attendance. So noticing if classes are getting skipped, uh, specific classes in the morning and the afternoon, uh, if they're missing whole days. Conflict with authority figures, so teachers wondering where their homework is could trigger conflicts, and so that might start to be a sign. Lack of motivation. Lack of motivation would definitely contribute to lack of homework, which could contribute to conflict with teachers. Losing interest in things that were previously um, enjoyable, so sports activities, um, hanging out with friends, again, going out with the family. Kids are smart, right? So they're gonna wanna not be discovered, so they're gonna try to throw you off the track. So notice things like incense or perfume that might be covering up smells. Notice mouthwash or mints that could be covering up the smells on the breath. 
Notice eye drops. All of a sudden, are they using eye drops when they didn't before? Could that be to take care of the pupils, which, or the bloodshot eyes, which they're aware you may notice? Um, using text to cover up the sound of their voice. If they're loaded or drunk, they may not want you to be able to pick up the signs, um, and they may be using that as a cover-up. And finally, sleepovers. Are they sleeping over because they're loaded and they don't want to come home and have you know that they've been drinking? So I've given you a lot of things that are pretty scary to think about. And once we begin to maybe have the question in our mind, could drugs be a part of my child's life? Fear and anger are really normal responses. And it's also important to realize that fear and anger, while normal, will actually drive more avoidance and more cover-ups and make the problem worse. So being able to approach and connect with your child in a non-confrontational way is critical. Being able to be curious, being able to be compassionate, um, and ultimately, if this is showing up in your life, being able to get consultation. We are all here to help. Um, this is a very scary time, and ultimately, being able to reach out for support is going to be the best path forward. Today I'm going to talk about three ways you can connect and communicate with your teen. As you probably know, and have probably already experienced, the more children grow, the more difficult, complicated, and challenging issues become. It is important to lay a foundation of connection during these years. Difficult issues are not easy to talk about, and even more so when you have a disconnected relationship. So you want to make sure you are fostering that relationship just as much as you are imparting your wisdom and guidance. So how do you do this? One, be a listening parent. That includes listening to your teen with curiosity and validation. Listening does not mean talking, criticizing, or teaching. So when your teen is opening up to you, do your best to fight the urge to solve their problem or jump in with advice, because we all know how well that works. Hear them out, and if you need to ask questions, make sure they are open-ended and without judgment. Validate their feelings. This helps them know they are being heard. When you are a listening parent, this gives teens the message that you want to understand their life through their eyes and can keep the door open to future conversations. Two. Be an askable parent. I love author Deborah Rothman's idea of being an askable parent. So what is that? It means being someone your child sees as open and approachable. Someone who will answer their questions honestly and not use ridicule or shame in response. This is especially important around difficult topics such as drugs, alcohol, mental illness, suicide, or sex. When it comes to these issues, you wanna be your child's go-to person. If you don't know the answer to something, tell them you'll find out and get back to them. When you are askable, you increase the chances that your teen will make better decisions and choices, and you may be able to intervene early if there is a problem. Three, be an advocating parent. What do you do when you discover your teen may be engaging in behavior that is worrisome? The first step is to have a discussion. Try to avoid setting up your teen to lie. Asking them questions like, did you drink at that party? or do you have any drug paraphernalia in your room, will most likely solicit a no. Try just stating the facts that you do know, like, I smelled alcohol in your breath when you came home last night, or I found this pipe in your room, and then let them know you would like to have a conversation about it. This discussion most likely won't be easy, but it can be more effective if you remain calm and do your best to listen and then set limits if needed. 
Sometimes parents have the urge to jump quickly to consequences, which can escalate emotions on all sides. This can get in the way of assessing the situation and getting help for your teen. Focus on finding out the information and advocating for their needs. If you find that the behavior you're seeing is concerning or want to get some more support on assessing the situation, consult a professional. Remember, as you go through this journey with your teens, communicating about difficult things can be easier and more effective when you focus on building connections with them. It's up to you to make a difference. And if we all work together toward the same goal, we can build a strong community that sees a steady decline in teen drug use. Thanks.